What's good, all you great, grand, wonderful, fantastic individuals out there in the universe? Welcome to another episode of Creatively Disrespectful. I am your host, D.Mitri, and I'm going to talk about life, liberty, and all the fuck shit in between. Um, Sometimes we have special guests, and sometimes we don't. It depends on what's going on in people's lives and exactly what we're about to chit and chat about. But just know that I am here to rant, rumble, and ramble a lot of times about whatever is going on in the world, things that I've been thinking about, stuff that I wake up with on my mind. (sighs) That's really about it. My goal is to take you out of your space, but also give you some things to think about that you can possibly also relate to in the same breath uh sometimes it's 15 minutes sometimes it's 20 sometimes it's 45 who knows it just depends but um per the usual just sit back relax and enjoy the show all right you guys let's get into it Have you ever had those days where you wake up and you say to yourself, like, what exactly is my genuine purpose? Like, I ask this because I have those days often. And it's um, spellbinding for me. Because I'm someone who, I guess, uh, appears or gives the illusion of being completely set in her purpose. For the longest time as a child, I've always thought that in my younger years, I was going to grow up and be this big, bad, fantastic, amazing writer, and I was going to write these novels, and they were going to be like Omar Tyree. If you have not read Fly Girl by Omar Tyree, please look it up. That book changed my life and how I write when I was like 14. And I remember that uh, I was in high school, and well, I guess I can go back a little bit further. So when I was in Europe and I was going to a hybrid school, I made friends with pretty much a lot of people. But me and, of course, all of these American kids from completely different backgrounds, my group was very diverse. And it's crazy because I think about this now being 38 to when I was 11. And there was this white boy. There was a uh, this Indian guy, there was this girl who was from Hawaii who had the most beautiful hair, and there was, like, uh, this black kid, and uh, that was, like, our core group, (laughs) and I remember instead of playing games um, and the, the playground when we went to recess and stuff, we acted out stories. I would write these stories and we put them in like these little books, these little pamphlets and that I would staple. And I can't remember his name and I wish I could, but the white boy 
was my illustrator and he would draw these elaborate pictures. And at that time I was reading everything that was by R.L. Stein. I was a huge R.L. Stein fan. I was big on goosebumps and all of that. So everything I wrote was really dark and twisted and weird and creepy for an 11 year old. And we would act them out <laughs> or they would act them out. I would just write them um, on the playground. And so I was convinced that that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to be this writer. I'm going to be the storyteller. I'm going to create all this stuff that I see in my head because I don't know what that means. I just know that I have a lot of time on my hands because I'm an only child and I have all this creativity and I just like to create these worlds that are not the ones that I'm living in. This is what I should do. And then I came to the U.S. And, you know... I don't say it fully as a bad thing, and I'm pretty sure the connotation may come across as such, but that's not what I mean. It's just when I came to the U.S., that was the first time where I had to think about my place and where I should be, what I should do, what I should like, what I should embody, how to play it small. I didn't have to deal with that before. That was never something that I ever thought about. So to cross all this water, and, you know, I did it alone. Uh, My parents both stayed in Belgium where we were stationed at the time, but they put me on a plane. They had a stewardess attached to me. It's crazy. This This is how crazy how life goes. They had a stewardess that was attached to me to sit with me in the seat so I didn't come over here alone. However, randomly, on the same damn flight, was um, one of my older cousins, rest in peace. And so she talked to the stewardess to have the stewardess let me sit next to them. Ain't that crazy, yo? I, I think they, her and her husband, were coming from Japan at the time. And I was coming from Belgium, and somehow the universe put us on the same flight. Same flight. I will always remember that. It's um, interesting in in hindsight, because um, in present day, like uh, the relationship between her and my family deteriorated far far before she actually passed and you know that's unfortunate but the (laughs) the deterioration of family bonds when it comes to my little family the three of us my father my mother and I spans far and wide for whatever reason that is not up to us so you know it is what it is But yeah, so I didn't um, feel like I needed to not be myself in full color until I came to the U.S. And I I came to a space where being me was so different that it was just shunned. And I've mentioned this before, that it took 
lots of therapy and a lot of time to try to get to a point to get over that mentally because it was a lot. It was a lot to process. It's like how how do you take in that? Oh, you 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 need to not be who you are while you're growing into and maturing into adolescence. It's not the easiest thing to do. Anyway, that is not what this is about. We're talking about purpose or lack thereof or um, assumption of or yeah, whatever. So I always thought I was going to be this this crazy creative and this writer and do this stuff. So when I was in, so when I did come and I realized that I couldn't do what I had been normally doing with these kids that I knew like in, in the hybrid school, I used to take a little tape recorder and I would go around with my little tape recorder and I would record, I would like interview people. I would interview people about shit and I would record like everything we said and us hanging out. And I was a Snapchat of my time frame. <laughs> like I recorded fucking everything. Like I recorded, but audio, audio. I recorded all of my conversations and it was a way of keeping track of time and um, uh, keeping track of memories in, in a way that didn't have to be visual. But if I got the audio, I could repaint everything in my head. And um, then later I started writing stories again. And I remember when I was in high school, I wrote a bunch of poems and I wrote a bunch of stories and I passed them around the school or I would give them to one person. And and like, oh, especially if I wrote the poems that were about burning people, like I used to write these poems that were like going in on folks and <laughs> because the shade started early and they would pass them all around the high school. So I got popularity from the poems that I wrote and the fact that I was ripping somebody else apart. Um... I mean, that's not a way to do anything. I was like a bully on paper. I was a bully on paper because I was dying inside. I was very unhappy. I was being forced into adulthood at a very young age and not knowing how to deal with that. And so I secluded myself more and more and more from a lot of things and definitely the world. And so that was how I was used to cope. I was using writing to cope. So that's why I always thought that's what I was going to do. And I've always done that. Um, I've been doing it less and less lately. But then when I sit and I get into my writing space, I get really focused and it's great. But I have been doing it less than I normally do because a lot of my time has been going into this food thing. This food thing. This food thing. I had no plans to become a chef. I had all the plans to be a well-known writer and to be an entrepreneur. But yet this life that's written for us before we get here, which is just my belief, has a way of, of turning the tides. And they did. And then um I fell in love with food and what I could do with food and the ability and all that kind of stuff. And so I I started putting more time and work into developing what I consider to be my culinary voice. I had developed my writing voice for so long, for so long 
And then when it got to a point in my life where I wasn't sad, I couldn't write in that voice anymore. And it felt empty and weird. And like the purpose that I told myself I had wasn't true. In hindsight, <laughs> um, I know that that is not the truth. I got there. But, uh, so then I started putting more time and work into developing this culinary voice. And in the same space of that, I realized that when you are so open and so honest in what you do in any creative field, you're going to lose a lot of people for reasons that you don't understand. When I was writing and writing hardcore and heavy, um, I, there's a lot of truth and exposure and authenticity in my work. I used the paper as my therapy. And there was a lot of things that I wrote about past situations and family situations and things of that nature that people never wanted me to talk about out loud that I talked about on paper. And so then when they read them or they came across them or they heard about them or I said something about them, they didn't know how to react. And um, it was devastating for people, I guess. But I can't do anything about something that someone is devastated about if they don't come to me and let me know. If you don't have a conversation with me, how can I actually address what you have already taken in your mind as fact? Because you made your own interpretation of what you read. Art is interpretive, right? So if you've taken what I have put out into this universe and interpreted into a way that it goes against you, that's not my fault. But I did get blamed a lot. At this point, I've accepted that blame for what it is. I don't let it deteriorate me. Purpose. Purpose, purpose, purpose. So then I started putting more time into the cooking so that I could not hurt as many people. But it didn't matter (laughs) because the more that I got comfortable with who I was as a person, the more I got comfortable with asserting myself as a cook. And the more assertive I got in being a cook, the more it pushed off the naysayers and the people who were not happy in themselves. And I didn't think that I could do that with food. I knew that I could do it with writing. I had hit a point where I knew that I could say a particular thing in a particular way and it would make somebody feel some kind of way from my words. I knew what the power of my words were. I never knew what the power of my food was until now. So then at the end of the day, it makes me think, is it just the writing? Is it just the food? Or is it just that As a creative, I have this particular power that can be harnessed and turned and manipulated in a way that it can evoke things in people that I was not expecting, that were not intentional. I often think about that. There's not a moment that I wake up that I don't think about quitting what I do. Especially now. 
I guess it takes a fucking idiot to think that they should fully jump back into being an entrepreneur during a pandemic. I swear it wasn't planned. (laughs) It wasn't. Um, I had been living here for a little bit over a year before I, and I had, it, it lined up with the timeline I gave myself. I had given myself a year to be in Austin, to learn the lay of the land, to work for other people, to see how it is before I jumped back into what I was doing before Austin. And literally without me trying, that timeline stayed clear. So maybe that's me talking to the universe and being like, yo, I'm giving myself a year. And literally I got here at the end, very beginning of February. And by the end of February of this year, I quit where I was working full time and I had this whole plan to go full speed ahead and do my shit, do my shit, do mine, be me, do me. And it lined up accordingly. But also, here's that plot twist with the pandemic. So it has been harder. It has been hard. People have been telling me that I've been doing good. But also, I guess when you in it, you don't see it that way. And so I feel like I've gotten a lot of pushback. And, and I feel like things have been incredibly difficult. And I there every other day I wake up and I feel like I'm going broke. Because, like, this, this account is in the negative. Or this is not paid. Or I'm sitting here like, how am I going to pay this, 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 this? For my regular life while also paying this, 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 this for my business life. So every day is hard and every other day I want to quit. But I don't. Purpose. Purpose, 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 purpose. That's the only thing I tell myself. That I am on the right road. That I need to stay on this road. And that no matter what. All of the things before wouldn't have been given to me if this wasn't my road. No risk, no reward, right? And there are many days where I feel like I'm taking all the risk. Back in my younger days, (laughs) talking like I'm 70. (laughs) I didn't think about risk. I did everything I needed to do out of self-preservation. I didn't like where I was living. I needed to move. I needed to change states. I ain't got no money in the bank, but I'm going to go. And I'm going to go all the way to the most expensive fucking U.S. like area. I'm going to just go to the Bay with no money in the bank. And I'm trusting one of my friends or who I thought was my friend at the time. And I'm just going to go. And I'm just going to go. And we'll do this. And I built a life there. And I built a great life there. And I left because I wasn't happy. But that's because I I saw things a different way. So I'm at this crossroad right now where I don't know what to do because I feel like there's a huge part of me that is so different than what I was before. However, I feel like there's another part of me that wants to cope in the same ways that she always did. I want to leave. I think the difference is I am more in tune with 
my creative voices. Culinary-wise, I know what I want to do in this life. Writing-wise, I know what I want to do in this life. So, um, I'm stuck. No risk, no reward. Do I continue to ride this wave? Because there's a wave. There's a, a, a swell that is happening while the world is on fire. Because it's on fire. So should I continue to ride this wave and see where it takes me professionally, personally, mentally, spiritually, all of that? Or should I pack up my, you know, <laughs> in the words of Maxine from Living Single, should I pack up my raggedy duffel bag and go? <laughs> I really don't know yet. What I do know is that if you don't risk shit, you won't see where you'll end up. And I think that anybody can do anything that they put their mind to. I think anybody can do anything that they see in their head as where they should be or what they should be doing. I feel like we are all given whatever time on this universe that none of us really know, right? And so with the time that we are present, I feel like we should use it for that. Like if you hear physically and mentally, you should use it to the best of your ability. Because you don't know when any of those options will change. And that's what I think I should focus on the most. <sighs> All right, you guys. Per the usual. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Please go vote. Vote, 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 vote. Vote on behalf of me if you can, unless you're voting for Trump, because I'm not voting for Trump. Because <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get my absentee ballot from Florida, because it's Florida. <laughs> and uh, until we meet again, you know, stay focused, stay mindful, stay vigilant, stay motivated, and whatever you are out there hustling towards, Continue to have faith and just push on through. All right, y'all. I'm going to see y'all the next go around.